Welcome to the Cal Park Bros podcast hosted by Terrence and Jason. Did you hear about the fake Clay Thompson that got into the arena prior to an NBA Finals game? The Cal Park Bros are always real and would never allow fakeness to enter into their arena of a podcast. Hashtag Real Warriors. Hashtag We Stay Golden. Welcome to the Calabar Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in from the back cave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, bro. I, I was trying to think of something funny to say based on our matching orange shirts, and the only thing I can think of is like a reunion to gym class back at Shepherd. so um, yeah, we're matching again. Yeah, we're definitely giving out some Astros vibes. Go Shepard. Yay. Thank you. See, so you were matching brown, orange. Oh my God. <laughs> brown, orange. <laughs> Jesus. Shepherd colored, folks. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening. This is episode 61 of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly podcast for fans of sports, current events, and entertainment. And as always, folks, we're your hosts, Terrence and Jason, and every single Thursday, we come to you with a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cowpaw Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok under the handle Cowpart Bros or Cowpart Bros Podcast for more behind the scenes of the show and just to engage with us every single day. But do not forget that the Cowpart Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you and your people listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. Like Terrence said earlier, we are the podcast to hear and watch. So make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. Okay. In the first segment, um, we're going to get into the um, United States Gymnast uh, lawsuit involving uh, the Federal Bureau of Investig- Investigation. Um, Jason, I know we have already discussed on the show in some detail um, the uh, fallout from the Larry Nasser um, abuse uh, scandal um, and certainly how his stature was um, effectively elevated because of USA Olympics. And he was effectively allowed uh, to continue to, to abuse these young girls um, for years on end until he was finally found out. Um, and the relevance of us bringing this up on the, on the segment now is that, well, before, they, before it was criminal um, claims against Larry Nasser or civil claims against Larry Nasser 
or people or organizations that hired Larry Nasser. But the reason why it's relevant now is that now you have, again, well over 90 claimants who are basically seeking damages in excess of $1 billion from the FBI. And, and the reason why that's, that matters is that, you know, the FBI was in charge of the investigation. And so with the, and so with the, with the, the, the legal claim is basically stating is that multiple mistakes were made. Larry Nasser could have been found out and stopped years before um, and, fe- and effectively um, the allegation is that the Federal Bureau of Investigation had uh, at least two people in charge of the investigation who effectively stated not, not only did they screw up, but then they proceeded to then cover it up. You know, that old adage, it's not the cover up, it's the crime. This is it. This is that. And that's why you you saw well over 90 claimants uh, effectively in that uh, administrative claim against the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And that's why you see it in upwards of $1 billion. So um, I've kind of laid out the, the cards of why this matters. Jason, what are your, some of your initial thoughts on this? I actually want to hear some of your initial thoughts first based off something you previously said about something else. So I actually want to hear you say yours first, if you don't mind. Uh, my initial thought is it's the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They've investigated. It's literally in their job description to do this. And they have more resources than God because they are financed by the United States of fucking America. So it is egregious that they did not act immediately. And that's probably why the gymnasts are still pissed off. That's why their families are still pissed off. How are they any different than Larry Nasser? How are they any different... Let's not be saying that, bro. That's. I mean, you wanted my thoughts. The, here they are. Oh, I, I'm, okay. I mean, exactly. You're welcome to disagree, but that's how I feel. You're in a position to affect a sexual predator, a child abuser. You have more resources than any other organization on planet Earth to actually do something about this. There's got to be some legitimacy to that claim. Otherwise... These 90 claimants, these 90 gymnasts, why would they be doing that? Okay, time for your thoughts. First of all, I'm not here on this show to say the FBI messed up or not. That's, I'm not going there. But what I, I, I definitely say there is a huge difference in this situation when it comes to Larry Nasser and the FBI. Huge difference. And I don't think I need to spell it out for anybody. But really why I wanted you to go into your thoughts first is based off something you said previously about a different scenario. We did, or rather I posted, we posted a Between the Segments uh, talk about Sage Steele when she was suing ESPN for, I can't remember the exact reason, um, basically because they punished her for speaking her word, uh, even though she got to keep her job. And the fact that she got to keep her job, you... I think I can quote you on this saying that you don't understand why she's doing this because quote unquote, you feel like she already won. Right. And, and th- I'm not, not trying to say this is an, I got you moment or call, trying to call you out or anything. I was just curious about if you would carry that same energy into this. And yes, I know there are different scenarios. I know that. So don't go there for that smirk on your face. But 
I was just wondering if you would still apply that same logic to this, that the fact that they already won, so why are they doing this? Because it could be looked at, not by me, but what, but to say that same logic of they already won and the fact that Larry Nassar is in prison and he's never getting out again, ever. They didn't win. Let's start there. They, the, 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 the gymnasts, their families, they were sexually abused. They are starved for life. There's no yep. winning. Okay. There's no win for them to take. It's just they didn't lose as much necessarily as they could have had Larry Nasser been allowed to continue to conduct his business the way he was. There is no winning. So I wouldn't even I wouldn't even use that vernacular because there is no winning in this scenario for them. There is simply stopping the sexual predator from abusing other gymnasts going forward. And the reason why and the reason why it's not even in the in the same fucking ballpark. Hell, it's not even the same city as that Sage Steel shit. Which I acknowledged. It is because Sage Steel wasn't abused. Sage Steel was inconvenienced. (laughs) Sage Steel had to take a week off of work. She was not sexually abused. Sage Steel basically, like many of us in corporate America, basically had to have a kowtow moment with her superiors and say, listen, either come correct or don't come at all. You ain't never been told by your boss, if you want to keep collecting a check, you got to shut the fuck up. That's what Sage Steel had. This is literally apples and aircraft carriers, is what this is. But enough I about already that. acknowledge it's a difference. Enough about that. I already acknowledge a difference. So you, so you harping on that doesn't mean anything. I, I, I am harping on it. It means something yeah, to you, me. Well, you kind of are, because I already said it, that it's not the same thing. Let me, I was comparing it to. Let me explain this to you right now. You wanted my opinion, you got it. You got not giving your mind. The most important. And listen, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, we're not talking about your, your detective in Mayberry, okay? We're talking about an organization has a line item in every year and a congressional budget. And it has to be in the millions of dollars. And there has to be accountability. Because there is, just like there has to be accountability for Larry Nasser, there has to be accountability at Michigan State University, there has to be accountability uh, at uh, USA Gymnastics, there has to be accountability here in the organization actually in charge of doing the investigating, as opposed to looking the other way when two of their associates are literally covering up a fuck up. That's why these gymnasts are on their ass and I applaud them for it because it will be a footnote in this Larry Nassar saga if they don't say something. It's probably horrific that they keep having to speak to this. But they're still doing it. They're still doing it and they're probably doing it because they feel like it's the right thing to do. So that's where I'm at. You know, the FBI doesn't get a pass. So once again, pointing out that I never said they did, never compared the two, never said one was worse than the other. I was bringing up the point again, based on something you said previously about that situation there, not comparing the two situations. So the whole aircrafter, carriers, apples, BS you want to put out there all the time isn't applicable. I wasn't trying to compare. 
I really wasn't saying it was about you. For me, it's more about people that would try and suggest that they already won, that somehow there isn't legitimacy to what they are stating. I'm not saying there's no legitimacy to it. And obviously, nobody wishes that this would have happened to them. Nobody. And again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, not stating my opinion on this one way or the other. But what I am saying is, I agree with you. The FBI definitely should be called out. They're a governmental agency, which people don't already trust as it is. So them making it public that there's another reason how a governmental body messed up isn't a bad thing. I agree with you. Also, two gentlemen specifically didn't do their duties back in 2015. And that led to probably more, not probably, led to more girls getting hurt by Larry Nassar. Again, obviously a horrible situation. No one's denying that. Them putting out there is also great too. I'm just, again, devil's advocate here. Just very curious as to the claimants they made formally getting more money when they've already gotten almost in total, almost a billion bucks already in other settlements made by University of Michigan State and other gymnastic governing bodies. So devil's advocate again, is it about them getting the FBI in hot water or calling them out, or is it about them getting more money? Um, I would say it doesn't matter, maybe, but just say I would say you, you can't put a price on someone's dignity. So whatever the number is, in my mind, jack up the rate. So now, for that, now, so, so by that now, token, you can sue anybody. Before, you can sue anybody then. You can sue anybody. You didn't, might not necessarily win. And listen, you are taking on the FBI. In this case? But the, it's sometimes you, you sue not because you think you can win. You sue because you're doing so on moral grounds. Because you believe it's offensive for the way that this organization conducted itself. I don't, I don't. I really don't. At this point, I don't think it's about the money for the claimants, um, for the gymnasts and their families. I think it's a matter of principalities. Sometimes you got to escalate just because you don't feel like you've been heard. And if you're having the FBI being cool with these, with 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 these with these individuals, effectively involved in a cover up, and they're still collecting a paycheck. Because I really believe that's the sticking point. You know that they covered something up. And then you decided not to penalize them. You are effectively saying that is okay. And I know you're going to spot off with some someone other, other opinion about this. But I do want to point out that those two individuals we're talking about actually don't work for the FBI anymore. So not collecting a paycheck in that regard. One retired, which you, I'm sure you could still be getting retirement. The other one got fired. Just okay. pointing it out, making it clear. Right. Well, you're to welcome people. to point that out. My point is this. So when did they retire? Because they retired June this year? Because Go ahead. Here's what I'm going to say. And I'm not even going to go back and forth with you about whether or not that's true or not. I don't care. The Larry Nassar shit happened years ago. And he's in jail. Prison, excuse me. Right. They're not. And 
And if, not the FBI, be, so. and if the FBI effectively hasn't done anything until this year, because they knew potentially legal action was happening, then I think that says something about the FBI. If it happened this year, which you don't know, and like you said, not going down into it because it doesn't matter. So, but they, they they don't certainly curry any favor because of it. You're not getting any bonus points because of it. They as in the FBI, you mean? Yeah. It, it, it does not change anything for me, Jason. It what What you mentioned about those two individuals does not move the needle for me on the FBI. Didn't say it should. So I appreciate you sharing it. Um, probably worth getting into at some point. But the FBI is the one that got some explaining to do, not Terrence Brown. Wouldn't make it about you. I'm just saying, just to clear it up for people based off something you said, that they're not currently working for the FBI anymore. Good point, though, that I don't know when that happened. Probably doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Again, just pointing out again that all of the stuff I said is devil's advocate playing the reverse of Terrence and, they're, and, they're, and mentioning the opinions of people that I've seen out there. Won't be the last time we talk about that general thing in this, in this episode, folks, so, so get ready. So, all right. That concludes our segment on uh, the gymnast um, claimants against the Federal Bureau investigation. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about golf and Club Live on Cal Park Bros. Finally, after 60 episodes, the truth has come out. Jason is not really Jason. He's, in fact, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And if you haven't put two and two together and got four, that makes Terrence Kevin Hart. I mean, I can't believe it took me 60 episodes to finally put that together. I have so many questions. And those questions have so many more questions. But anywho, make sure you like, subscribe, check them out on social media. Make sure you call, leave a five-star review for Dwayne and Kevin. I mean, Jason and Terrence, the Cal Park Bros. The most dynamic duo, whether it be in Hollywood or at Calumet Park, Illinois. Let's get this podcast rolling. See ya. Welcome back to Cal Park Bros. Jason and I are fresh off the segment discussing the uh, USA Gymnastics um, claimants versus the Federal Bureau of Investigations. Second segment, we're going to be talking golf. Golf. Jason, um, the only thing better than, than golf wear is the money in golf. And it's unfortunate that neither one of us can hit can can hit a ball worth a damn on, on off of a, off of a tee because there's some serious coin in play uh for Phil Mickelson and company uh now the there's been a bit of a kerfuffle frankly uh regarding uh a few players <laughs> um because there's a now there's going to be a new tour basically backed by Saudi Arabia um and it's basically a group of 17, chiefly among them, Phil Mickelson, Justin Johnson, and Lee Westwood and Sergio Garcia. Now, I'm quoting uh, 
PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan wrote the member to the tour's membership. These players have made their choice for their own financial-based reasons. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan wrote an amendment to the Tour's membership, but they can't demand the same PGA Tour membership benefits, considerations, opportunities, and platform issue. That expectation disrespects you, our fans, and our partners. You have made a different choice, which is to abide by the tournament regulations you agreed to when you accomplished the dream of earning a PGA Tour card, and more importantly, to compete as part of the preeminent organization in the world of professional golf. Monahan wrote that any players who take part in future live golf events will face the same punishment. Now, Jason, what are some of your initial thoughts about the the stance that the PGA Tour commissioner is making regarding these players like Phil Mickelson signing on for another uh, league, basically? Yeah, I, I started hearing rumblings of what live golf even was, LIV or whatever it is, the Saudi Arabian-backed um, organization. Uh, I heard some Hall of Fame tennis uh People talking about it, talking bad about it, like Martina Navratilova, for example. Um, and then shortly after, I hear the PGA is going to suspend any player involved in this up this previous tournament they just had recently, the LIV. If they, you know, they were going to suspend any PGA players who participate in this tournament, uh, the LIV tournament that happened, I believe, in London. Um, and seventeen players, some of the ones you mentioned, were in it, and the PGA said, "Well, okay, you made your choice. You're suspended." And apparently that suspension is indefinitely no set time frame on when they can come back. But basically they can't be a part of any PGA event ever until that suspension is lifted. So technically it could be forever. Um, but I also was kind of wondering too, what, what like, like kind of what you're asking, what really is the big deal for the PGA as to why they're making it, you know, making such a big deal about these guys being in this tournament? Well, so I was curious about, okay, did they break some rules or anything? And basically what it was is these players involved, they didn't receive the necessary conflicting event and media rights releases, quote unquote, or they didn't apply for them at all, according to, again, the PGA commissioner guy. Yes, I said commissioner guy. Um, So that's what it was. So I guess some of them applied for it, either they got denied or didn't get a decision at all, or they, they didn't apply for it at all. So... I I mean, per the letter of the rule, I, I guess that's what it is. Then the PGA Tour had no choice but to do what they did. I mean, if it'd be one thing if it was one person doing it, you may be able to let something slide. But when 17 people essentially, I have to say outright defiantly, decide, hey, I'm going to go be in this tournament no matter what, which is probably for the money, which we'll get into later. But I... You know, it's it's really interesting though that you would think that these guys wouldn't risk messing up their stat, status with the PGA Tour because that's obviously the big league, we'll say, of golf in the United States. Now, also to that point, to my knowledge, and I could be wrong, if any golfers or golf fans are out there, let us know. I don't think there is any other organization for golf here in the United States. I think it's just a PGA, and that's pretty much it. So it's kind of like they were monopolizing the, the golf scene. And here comes the Live or LIV. And here's a whole other opportunity for these golfers to compete. I don't want to say on a high level because it's still a new league, but you can still compete against other great golfers 
I mean, you just mentioned 17 of them here in the, from the PGA, not to mention whoever else from around the world is going to be there at the live. So I, I get it on both sides. I get why the PGA had to suspend them, but I get why the guys still wanted to defy that and go play somewhere else. Now, now there has been some criticism of the golfers who did this. And it kind of is based off something we talked about before in episode 41, talking about Amazon guilt. Now, obviously, these players don't really have a whole lot of guilt because they still play in the tournament. But what are your initial thoughts about all this before I go into the whole money side of things? Um, well, my my initial thought is there is going to be there absolutely is going to be a lot of consternation by anything that's backed by Saudi Arabian money. There's a money component to this one. The 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 free enterprise person in me says, hey, get your money. Um, but don't fuck up the existing money. Um, and I think, one, if they're going to be in bed with Saudi Arabian money, then they have to take the heat uh, that comes with that. I mean, Phil Mickelson, for Christ's sake, has been accused by like 9-11 families of being basically a traitor to his country. I don't know if I want to go that far. But surely he had to know that there were going to be some complications with going down this path. Also really interesting, Greg Norman, the, yes, that Greg Norman, the shark, um, is the CEO of this league. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. then. Yeah. So this isn't just some run-of-the-mill deal. And they had 17 of the best players in the world defect defect i feel like we're talking the hunter at october here um but when you have 17 players either they either waited to be suspended or some of them in some cases they resigned ahead of time it's like you can't fire me i quit can i keep the pen so it's messy it's messy Jason, that's 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 really my thought. It's like Phil Mickelson is a very astute businessman, as are the other 17 gentlemen that made this decision. Will it work out financially for them in the short term? Probably. It's a lot of money. Well, I'd say what? So just when it comes to the money part, I'll go ahead and jump into that first. So, yeah, there's definitely a huge difference in money just from this one tournament. The winner, oh, no, 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 I'll come back to that. The guy who came in last place, last place for a weekend of work got $120,000, 48th place. He got 120 grand for, for three days of work or before, whatever it is. Not bad. There's people, I think the average income in the United States for the annual income is like 30,000 or 40,000. So for a whole year. So, hey, that's, that's pretty good. The winner... Got four million. Yeah, four million bucks. Exactly. There, yeah, exactly. So definitely from that aspect, it's definitely worth it. Uh, some of the bigger names that we talked about that actually joined this, Justin Johnson, I think, did the best. He came in eighth place and got 625000 So that's pretty good there, I'd say. Uh, Phil, Phil Mickelson came in 33rd place, or time for 33rd. He got 146 grand. So again, not bad. Um even if you, as long as you finish in the top three, you're walking away with at least a, at least a million bucks. 
So that's not bad. So that alone makes it makes it worth it leaving the PGA. I mean, Phil Mickelson, he's won plenty. He's six-time major winner in the LGP, LG, um, L, in the PGA Tour, excuse me. And he's won his Masters. I think he got two, maybe three now. I don't know. He's obviously aging. Of course, he can still win in the PGA, but what's probably a possible thought? Let me get as much money as I can while my body's still physically able to still do this. So he saw that $4 million bucks to win. He said, why not? Now, to kind of go into what, more into what Terrence was mentioning with the like Saudi Arabian families, or rather the uh, 9-11 families are saying about Phil Mickelson and probably the other golfers too, is obviously when we talk about Saudi Arabia, the perception over here at the very least is that they have a lot of human rights issues to say the least. And so obviously it can be looked at very easily by you accepting the money that's coming from them that you're essentially okay with what's going on in Saudi Arabia, even though verbally, at least Phil Mickelson himself has said, yeah, I'm playing against an event, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm for all the human rights stuff, which I'm against. And again, we've even talked about this in the show. It's like, can you say you're against something while doing something towards the opposite? And that's what people were calling these guys out for. That they're, they're Again, not just Mickelson, but a lot of them were saying, hey, I don't want to compete. Or rather, I don't agree with these human rights issues, but I'm basically still going to take their money. So that's what people were calling them out for, for that. So, so Terrence, when I read about all the money that's, that was won here, I think it was like, you can do the math. It's all the, the breakdown of what everybody won. I look, found it on bosshunting.com, so you guys can check that out there. But Terrence, what do you think about all that money that I even just briefly mentioned, but then also the criticism those guys are getting for taking the money of the Saudis while claiming to be against the human rights issues taking place over there? Well, that's 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 the that's the sticky wicket. You, I think, for, for many of these players, it's about the money. For a guy like Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson's like, I'm tired of being middle management. I want to I want to call my own shots. This is probably the closest he ever gonna get to the LeBron type decision. <laughs> Well, before you go any further, I do want to point out that I read an article, I, uh, I believe from NPR, uh, that basically mentioned that he, him and Dustin Johnson have made between 100 and 200 million so far from golf in their careers. So they're not broke. I, I do want to point that out. So there are some plenty of golfers out there that struggle and they play just to make a living. Phil Mickelson ain't one of them. So I just want to point that out there. Sorry. No, I listen. He ain't starving. <laughs> Exactly. But but he also he obviously feels as though if he wants more freedom to to do what he wants to do, but at the end of the day, hell, it's not his golf it's not his golf it's not his you know, it's not his golf league. It's and what the general feeling that I'm getting from this suspension is basically don't fuck around and find out. This is this is very akin to you're suspending these 17 so that the rest of the PGA tour doesn't get the idea that it's a free for all. You know, hundreds of people speed. State trooper if he or she is lucky is only going to pluck a couple of you out. Why do you do that? To make an example out of people and to basically showcase that hey, it's not a free for all. That's what the PGA Tour is doing. The PGA Tour is trying to ensure that there actually is a PGA Tour. 
as opposed to effectively having a major golf turn into a mercenary event. And yeah, he's hitting these. I say he, I'm referring to the commissioner. The PGA, the PGA leadership, the brass, they're hitting him where it hurts. Phil Mickelson might be, one, he can't talk about it because it's not in his best interest to talk about it. Best thing he's doing is like, let no comment. But all of those primetime players, especially guys that have actually like won a U.S. Open or won a Masters and feel like they got some something else in the tank and they might be in the running again, that green jacket means something. Those no, major really- events mean something. The Grand Slams in every major major sporting event, uh, league mean something. And frankly, that's all the PGA has. That's their one chip. That is their one chip. Like, look, listen, you guys, you know, have as much fun as you want. Your ass won't be at this event. <laughs> it's we'll around uh, someone else. It'll yeah. be someone else's day. It won't be yours. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the PGA is saying, but I'm also kind of wondering, too, it'll be interesting to see if any more players, now that we've seen what happens, now that the tournament's happened, now that they've won their money, people can see what, what money they won, and now those players know, okay, if I decide at this point to go to the play in the lift, I know what the punishment's going to be. It's going to mean that means I'm banned from the PGA. So like you just said, it's that balance. Is me going to play for this live tournament worth the money knowing that I can't potentially go back to play in the uh, PGA. Because one thing I was mentioning, there was an article that I found too, that mentioned that Tiger said, Tiger Woods said, I'm not playing in the, in the live. You would almost think that, like, like Mickelson, he would be one of the people that jump would jump right over to, to live to make the last bit of money he can from golf before he retires. But he still has things to play for, whether it's realistic or not. He has things left to still accomplish, potentially as far as all-time records to accomplish in the PGA. And it's not just about the Masters, obviously. It's about any majors at all, trying to catch, you know, the record there, which, again, probably isn't possible, but you, him going to live will basically be him giving up on that for the money, which, you know, and I, I probably shouldn't say it's just, it was, you know, just for that. But but I'd be interested to see that. Who's going to leave now, now that all the cards are on the table, one side's the money, one side's suspension, which one are you going to go towards? And I agree with you. That's going to be more about, you know, people figuring out, okay, I got more to do here at the PGA. I'm not messing, up, messing that up yet. Or I've already done what I need to do. I'm trying to get that paper. Case in point by these 48 people, which all of them obviously weren't from the PGA, but basically these 48 people were doing this because of the money. Probably more so the guys from the PGA knowing they're going to face some kind of punishment. And now they don't know what it is. They're banned, essentially, from playing. In the PGA. But at the same time, right now it may not matter because there's another tournament coming up here in the United States. Uh, I forgot to remind myself when that was, but it, they're doing another tournament. And especially if you're these last 48 guys, knowing you got that sweet paycheck from four days or three days of work, you're, you know, you're probably looking forward to doing it again. Especially if that, especially if you're that guy that won four million bucks. Because even if you win half of that in your next one, guess what? You just won six million bucks right. in two tournaments. Right. But I also think I, I it will be interesting to see what this money will look like next year. 
And that's, I guess that's the important thing because like I was mentioning earlier, there really wasn't any competition, any realistic competition available to these players in the United States besides the PGA. Now there's another option. And I know, I know you're not as big a fan as I am of this, but it's much like when AEW came around in professional wrestling three years ago, fans are ready for another option that wasn't the WWE. Now, obviously, I personally am not a golf fan, but I have to imagine as a golf fan, you're probably going to have a little, at least a little bit of growing interest in this live tournament the longer it plays around. Again, this is just tournament two or tournament one that happened. Like I said, tournament two is coming up already. There's going to be three, four, five, whatever. Have an off season, then year two. People that love it and want it, who want more of it, they're going to be starved from it for those amount of months. And it's going to come back. They're going to tell all their buddies about it. Hey, man, you haven't checked this out. This is so cool. Something else is not PGA. I know that there's a breakdown of all the rules differences and stuff like that. So I have to imagine there's some kind of difference to make it interesting for the players and the fans. So I agree with you. We'll see where this is at next year from now when we're doing, you know, episode next year, episode uh, 113, you know, <laughs> whenever we're doing that, you know. I uh, guess I did math, sir. I did math. But, uh, but yeah, so we'll look forward to seeing that, but also looking forward to seeing any movement on what the punishments are for these players. If there's anything definite, like this is your indefinite suspension or is it if you're suspended for a year or you're just done, period, for life. So, Gotcha. All right. That concludes our segment on Club Live. Let's see what we did there. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking about uh, Draymond Green and his thoughts on the 80s and 90s. Jason and I are fresh off the segment um, discussing the Club Live golf fallout. Third and final segment of the show, we're going to be getting into uh, Draymond Green's thoughts on how physical the 80s and the 90s was. Jason knows better than most. Nothing I love more than a good old, it was always tougher in the 80s and 90s discussion for the National Basketball Association. Now, um, Draymond Green is, of course, it's incredibly relevant at the moment because um, the NBA Finals are still going on. Uh, Warriors just won game five. They're up 3-2. And so and not only is Draymond a green, uh, green a goon on this uh, podcast, or his podcast rather, but he's also got his gig at uh, TNT. Um and, you know, he's 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 a guy that's out there. You know, he has a social media presence. He's got his own brand. Um, 
And when, so on Tuesday, this one in Tuesday, last Tuesday, the Warrior Enforcer had a funny take on the 80s and 90s. And basically what he said was, most of the people that are doing the talking about the 80s and 90s, they were not the enforcers. They were not the guys, they were not the Rick Mahorns. They were not the Bill Lambeers. They were not the Kermit Washingtons, if you will. <laughs> Actually, not in the 80s, but I still, still think it's funny. And so, like many players from this era, he's probably tired of hearing about how physical they were in the 80s and 90s. Because the inference is basically that it's not a physical game now. I think it's a different game. Um, and I don't want to call it soft because I feel weird even mentioning that. Like, I think what he was trying to say was, is that the game has evolved and people have to appreciate the game for what it is today. He also mentioned something important, which was it's easy to talk about how physical the game was in the 80s and the 90s because they're basically, you were almost effectively incentivized to be a goon in the 80s and 90s. Think about it. There, there weren't any clear path foul rules. Effectively, the mindset was no easy baskets. A different game for sure. So, Jason, what are some of your thoughts on what Dray- Draymond Green has effectively stated is that there's an overinflated sense of self or sense of toughness from the 80s and the 90s from those that loved the law of the good old days. Was the NBA game more physical in the 80s and 90s compared to, the, to now? Terrence, yes or no? I mean, see, I don't know and I don't it, it, It's yes I, or no, bro. I, bro, don't, don't ask me that question. I'm not even going to answer it. That's, you, that's what we're talking about. That's what no, we're talking about. No. If, if, that is if, exactly if, what we're talking about. Bro, to, what are you talking about? We are me, talking about this, exactly. To me, I don't care because I've watched basketball from all three eras. I still I still enjoy basketball from those three eras. And to me, like if you wanna if you need to die on that hill and say that basketball was much tougher in the nineties, uh because a because a goon led squads like the New York Knicks and the Indiana Pacers, then you can fucking have it. That wasn't necessarily enjoyable basketball. We've even talked about the fact that plotting Big Ten esque style of play that made up for the fact that you didn't have the best athletes, <laughs> which actually kind of lends itself to Draymond Green's point is that those dudes weren't nearly as skilled as many players of today. And oh, I don't that. go that far. I'm going to say some of these squads had dudes that weren't as skilled as players from the 90s. Go ahead. Bro, you took like a whole minute and a half to not answer a simple yes or no question. Kudos to you for continuing the streak of 61 episodes of never answering a yes or no question that I've asked you in this entire time of the show. Kudos to you for that, folks. Or Terrence. <laughs> Bro, it, it's listen. That yes or no only matters to one person. But that's what we're talking about on this, on this, on this, this whole topic was, is this. 
his opinion about 80s and 90s, blah, 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 more physical or not, right? The answer is yes. It, it, it was more physical back then, period. There's no argument. He, he, even he didn't deny it either. He went in all his roundabout way of talking about other stuff to, to downplay what people talk about when it comes to that, which is fine. I get why he's defending his error. I would too. He's a wannabe goon kicking people in the nuts, you know. I wouldn't say he's a wannabe goon. I would say he's, he, he's a, a, he's a, he's a, he's a wannabe goon, period. As, as Cedric, Ma- again, I know this is what we're talking about, but as Cedric Maxwell pointed out in response to Draymond Green, he's one of the guys who will get knocked out in the 80s and 90s. Now, I, I do agree. But granted, we don't know who Draymond is talking about specifically when he co- talks about all these guys talking about it because every guy I've heard talk about the 80s and 90s was a tough guy. Not saying that they're all Rick Mahorn or Bill Beer, who he expressly pointed out who he acknowledged were, were those goons back then. But the point is, those guys actually existed back then. They don't exist now because they can't. I feel it's interesting that you would say that they can't exist. Because they can't. When, you, when you say they can't exist, why is that? Well, number one, as Kenny Smith pointed out also, is that in the 80s and 90s, there are guys who were on an NBA basketball team, which leads to the skill point. But there was guys on the NBA basketball team in those decades, and maybe even before, that that's all they were there just, just for that to be goons. Bill Lambeal was not a talented basketball player. I think we'll all recognize that. He was there for one reason, one reason only. To enforce. Just like hockey has enforcers, back then basketball had enforcers. That's that was their job to do. That doesn't exist now because it can't. Because those guys would I wouldn't go that far that he wasn't a talented basketball player. I just hated him immensely because he played for the Pistons. But that doesn't mean necessarily that he wasn't a talented basketball player. I mean, oh, he's for, better than Draymond Green, yeah. But yeah. I mean, they're all going to get into the hall, dude. I had I, I had Lambert's already there. So point being, those guys can exist now because they do that once. They'll probably get technical, get thrown out of the game. Because that's how the rules are designed now. I'm not saying that's bad or worse or better or worse, whatever. But it is what it is. Those goons exist, existed in the 80s, 90s. They can't now. That's why I say Draymond is a wannabe goon. And again, he's going to defend his era, and that's just fine. And I get it. But him trying to downplay the fact that the 80s and 90s game is more physical by design, that's just kind of him being a liar, essentially. He's lying to himself. I don't think he's lying. I think what it he's is. He's lying to himself, bro. Come on. Okay. It's, like, it's like you can't answer that question. I Listen. Because you're going to call off as you don't care. It's either, either, either it's yes I'm or no. I'm not about it's it. It's yes or no. That's the thing. It's, it's not about caring, bro. It's just a yes it, or no question. I don't have a dog in the fight. That's the thing. That's the thing. And so you can quote Cedric Maxwell, Bill Lambeer, Rick Mahorn. I, 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 listen, I know for a fact that and Steve Kerr probably, seeing as how he's the coach of the Warriors, t- knows how this goes. I mean, there's always jostling for eras. I mean, that's a story as old as time. Will Chamberlain joking around with Michael Jordan about making the game, game easier for one versus making it harder. And yes, there is some validity to that. I mean, hell, they literally widen the free throw lane. Because Wilt Chamberlain broke basketball. 
<laughs> but yeah, there's no validity to 80s and 90s being you know harder than it is now. Let me finish. Let me finish. They also introduced Michael Jordan also had to deal with handshaking. Imagine if Michael Jordan didn't have to deal with handshaking. I mean, you all That's you always you you always have to deal with whatever the parameters of the game. You have to deal with them. My only point, Jason. Oh my god. And then I think I'm done talking about it at this point is that I think it's a mistake to call any era soft. Not okay. Not calling it soft. I'll go with your the term you used. I think the one he used is different, but I think we can still acknowledge the difference is including the one that the eighties and nineties was definitely a more physical league, and it may have been more physical back before that too. Who knows? But I think even you will have to self admit, even though you will never do it on air, that the rules allow itself for the offensive player to do a lot more without being as restricted by the defensive player. Probably apply that to, obviously, in football as well. But keeping it in basketball, again, I know you'd ever say so on air, but you can't deny that. I mean, I won't even fight but, you but, but I guess you're about to, so you're about I to. I won't even so fight you on that because I stopped talking about that <laughs> five minutes ago. I just wanted to call out that you said that Bill Lambert was not a talented basketball player. And he was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in nineteen. Okay, so how many guys are in the any, pick any Hall of Fame for sports, and how many guys can you find in the Hall of Fames that probably don't really belong there? Thank you. Exactly, Jason. That's preposterous because you're basically saying that you know better than people actually vote for the Hall of Fame. Do fans vote for the Hall of Fame? Do fans vote for the Hall of Fame? This is not the All Star Game. Do fans vote for the Hall of Fame? They do not. Okay, then cut the shit and just admit that you don't like the these votes, even though these dudes probably watch more basketball than you ever will, or I will in our lifetimes. Okay, and you, and keep in mind that those guys are humans, correct? So they make mistakes. Right, and you're making one right now by dying on this hill. <laughs> I'm not dying on any hill. You brought it up. I was, <laughs> you was already ready in the segment that you brought that up. So. It's a cherry on top of this hell, 80s hell, and 90s hell. debate Sunday. You, you think Draymond Green's a finals MVP worthy player, so move, move on from that. There you go. No, I think he's a difference maker. Okay. And in the segment, bro. Just in the segment. You've already, yeah. you've already, yeah. in the, in the, you're done. Yeah, because he's going to be the reason that Curry mm-hmm. and company are going to get ring number four. Oh, okay. Stop and it with, now. And, and with now. that said, <laughs> that wrap that wraps up our 80s 90s Draymond Green special segment.
Thank you for listening to the Calbark Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also reach us on the CPV voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message is ended up on a future episode of this year's podcast. Jason, final thoughts for the people. Hey, final thoughts, our folks. I love that episode. I love the vibe, love the energy we had, love the back and forth. I love the fun rage we had with each other. Not angry rage, but fun rage. So I enjoy- <laughs> See, exactly my point. Exactly my point. That fun rage, episode 61, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed all that. Just remember that we will drop our audio episodes every Thursday. CalvarBros.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere's listen to podcasts. But do not forget, for as of right now, we still drop our video segments on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube every Mondays. So check that out as well. Check out our matching orange shirts, throwbacks to our high school gym uniforms. Love it. Keep it up, bro. But folks, thank you for listening and watching. We see you doing that, being good Calpar Bros stalkers and Calpar Bros nerds. You're living it, loving it, and do it. We appreciate that so much. Love you guys. Keep it up. But now it's that time. Time for the catchphrase, the hashtag, and the line. Say it with me, folks. When it comes to all things Calpar Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? That's right. With that said, this is Calpar Bros. Signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?